Hello all, this is Blonde Haired Girl. So I've, I've moved and I took on a new position. It's in the same field that I've worked in. I've worked in social services my entire career in different capacities. But my, my actual education and training is in counseling. <laughs> so like if, if you wanted to ask, what is your trade or what is your vocation or what is your career, I'm, I'm a counselor. Um, and I didn't really know what to expect with, with my current employer. I, I got an invite from Indeed. I started to get these invites from employers saying, we see your application and would like you to apply for this position. And so I got one for this, for this, this agency. And it was in a place that I wanted to live. So, and I've wanted to live in the place that I'm at right now for five years. <laughs> so it's been a long time and maybe even, well, I would have to say five years ago I had chosen this place and and so this this job opportunity that came to me I wasn't looking for it it came to me on my in my emails is a wonderful opportunity um but when I got I did I didn't know what to expect I didn't really know what I would be doing except that it said that it was a, the one that I had initially applied for, they said that it was a 15-bed mental hospital type of setting. So it's, it's not like a state hospital, like a person gets sent here long-term because they are, in a in a mental state where they are not expected to recover. <laughs> I'm laughing, it's not funny. Sorry, it's a nervous giggle I'm doing right now. But so the company that I'm working for, they had seen a need um for what is considered a step down from a mental hospital. But this is a hospital nonetheless. There are nurses, prescribing doctors, and they are watched and cared for 24-7. Their vitals are taken every day. I mean, it's, it is a hospital. <laughs> so I work in a mental hospital. I didn't, strangely enough, I ended up not getting the job at at the 15 bed area I ended up getting a job on the other side they they had initially interviewed me and she said I think you would be a really good fit and then I told her that I wasn't able to start until this this certain date like I wouldn't be able to start till like mid-July that's what I said and um, and then she came back and she just said, because I said, you know, that I was thinking about 
flying there and visiting to see if I even liked it because I had never been here before. And so, and then she came back and she said, well, I just wanted to be clear that we're going to take the applicant that is, you know, basically can start first because they were really in need. And, and so I, I called that good and I ended up canceling that whole trip. I just took that as a sign that I, okay, so maybe this isn't the right time, the right job, the right, and I was cool with it. But about, I would say about 10 days later, she got back with me and she said, well, we have this other position. Would you be interested in it? And, and I said, yes. And the next thing I know is like, when can you start? And, (laughs) and it was a mad dash. I got to tell you, um, part of the issue was just my, my, the people that I had given my number for my references were really taking their sweet time. It would have helped me if they would have gotten them in a lot sooner because it would have given me an extra week to prepare for being here. But it landed as it did, so whatever. So I had to to move in two weeks. I had to move to a different state within two weeks. Um, now, she did say that I could do start the next week, but they really wanted me to start the week before. So what I ended up doing, which I've already told you guys, but I'll just tell you again, just the short version was I ended up deciding to not rent a U-Haul and drive it 1,300 miles. I, I decided to fly there and send like six boxes of my stuff, my clothing, and and just buy stuff here. <clears throat> and I wasn't going to take my car initially. <clears throat> so I I get here and I there were just a few things that I had bought initially like that I bought that I just had to have like a bed. <laughs> I had to have a bed. And I had to have like a sofa and and a you know, I think I'm, I'm trying to think of the things that I actually bought, like from Amazon. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking that I didn't buy as much as I thought. I, I bought the sofa and the bed and the mattress and the mattress cover. And those were all, my mattress didn't get here for a couple days. So I, I, I got my place pretty quickly. And, um, I'm sitting here and I've been really fixated on the amount of money that I've spent. Because <laughs> I've spent a whole lot of money since I've been here. Um, and I'm like trying to figure out like, okay, so how much money did I, did I spend on that? Um, but so I ended up um, uh, uh, I'm losing my train of thought, quite obviously. So I ended up buying some stuff here, and and um, that tidied me over for a while. But there's still like things that I'm like missing, that I'm just sort of waiting for it to come to me, and I'm not worried about it. Um, it'll just come when it comes. But 
So I start this new job and and not knowing what to expect, but the staff was really excited about me being there. Okay, so this could have meant a lot of things to me. It could have meant you know, that they were legitimately happy to have me, that, that, but there seemed to be this pressing need for me. And that ended up being true. So a couple of things had happened. There, there had not been a, an actual counselor in my position for over seven months. And so things had just really been falling behind for them on that end. And then what else happened was the person that they thought they had hired for the job on the other side did not pan out. So they did not accept their offer. And so, and so I had this immediate reaction to just absolutely loving everyone that I was working with. I mean, I just, my supervisor is wonderful. The nursing supervisor, the, the director the, of the whole program, the executive director of the whole program is amazing. I'm just, I'm just floored. Like my, the nursing staff, the peers, the recovery specialists, I mean, just everyone I work with, um, I'm, I'm amazed by. They're really good. And so, and so, I, I'm, I'm, I'm supremely happy, <laughs> but I, I really, having, having, having never been in quite their position, like, I've never faced homelessness. In my life, I've been supremely lucky that I've never faced homelessness. I've never had addiction to, I can't say that I haven't had addictions to anything. Can't say that. Um, Like sugar, I love sugar. I have to be super careful with it. Um, But I can't, so I can't say that I don't have addictions to things, but I've never had an addiction to a substance that completely ruined my life. That's never happened for me. And so I I have I've really gotten a a quick education in And in diagnoses that that are just complicated, they're complex. They're, you know, it's like okay, so what came first? The what they call mental illness. I mean, I used to say, I used to say it's the human condition. I, I've I've put out podcasts about that. That I think there's too much emphasis put on actual diagnosis and not enough just on 
the condition of being human in the way that our brain works and either for us or against us and and learning how to how to use our brain for our favor instead of allowing our our brain to just kind of take over and do what it wants to us. God, there's a couple things coming to mind that I don't want to forget that I feel are really important. So nearly everyone that I am treating right now as a therapist has the diagnosis of schizophrenia. Nearly everyone. And they, they are, some of them have bipolar along with schizophrenia. Some, some have psychosis. And, and it's, sometimes it's challenging to know what brought it on. Because some of them, it's clear that their psychosis was brought on by drug use. Um, as they tested positive for multiple types of, of, of drugs when they got there. And, and so, but some of them, you know, had never have done any type of drug. And so I'm, 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 I'm figuring out this phenomena, you know, but they all have in common these beliefs. We want to call them delusions. <laughs> and I have to say, I, I do identify with this. Because I have at times in my life in the not-so-distant past, been called delusional. And I understood, and I understand why they would think that. I really do. I can understand why a person would think that I was or even am delusional. But it's a it's a change in thinking to to learn the belief that you actually create your reality as opposed to reality is just something happening. So we're creating our reality by our thoughts, by our beliefs. But you have to believe something before it comes to fruition. And so there, there are times where I look delusional. I dare, I dare to believe things that have not yet happened. Like, for example, I believe that someday I would be living here. And that isn't so far a delusion as other delusions that people believe that I have. <laughs> So the difference between me and my clients is that my clients, okay, so I'm giving you an example, and I hear this a lot. 
from a couple of my clients, like every day I hear these, the devil told me, or actually one of them, it was God told me to kill myself. The other one, you know, I have demons in me. There are demons in my belly. And this is why I've gained so much weight. There's a lot of religious delusion in mental hospitals. Which makes me really, if I had not before, even more so blame religion for part of this person's psychosis. Because their delusions are have been taught to them by their church, by by the Bible. You know, these are people who are reading the Bible, you know, and you know, one of them, well, I, I'm gonna be in the the bottom is pit of hell. I'm going to be in hell for all, all eternity. I'm never getting out. Did that just come from nowhere? No. Huh. And so one of, one of them, all of them to one degree or another have like this religious talk to one degree or another. Um, I can't say all, but most of them have this religious talk from one degree or another. But one of them, she's not ready whatsoever to let go of her religious delusion. The other one is tinkering on the edge. So I say... So I say to the one who God told her to kill herself, I said, do you believe that God is good? And I know this is a really hard question for a person who actually believes in the Bible. Because there's a lot of places in the Bible where God does horrible things. Especially in the Old Testament. But the whole idea that that which God created, humans, are horrible beyond measure and could only be redeemed and brought to God through the suffering of his only son, his only son. This whole idea is primitive. This is just my belief, and I know this is heresy, but it's primitive. So even the New Testament, I mean, the Bible is, is filled with a God that is really angry. So if you, if you are a Bible-believing person, is God good? I don't know think it's a valid thing to say maybe not because I mean she was she said no 
God told me to kill myself. So no, God is not good. But I base my entire faith on the idea that I trust in the goodness of God. Trust in the love of God. And so, and, I, and I'm not going to like really get into it with my clients unless they get into it with me. But I try, to, I try to give them little nuggets, little seeds, because they're going to be leaving soon. This is a very short-term solution, or is supposed to be, to moving on to other things, which is another complicated subject, because there aren't enough places to send them to. There aren't. Like, these are adults. You don't send them to their parents necessarily. Like, these people are really estranged from their family, from their friends. They don't have friends. They don't have, aside from the church and maybe the people they've been living with on the street. And so finding them a place to go is really challenging. No, which would be a great business idea for someone. Longer term housing for people with mental illness. Now these people are are heavily medicated. Some more, more than others, but they... They are on medications, you know, and so it's very important that they stay on this medication when they leave, or they're gonna, or they're gonna have the same episode that they had before they got there because they, they come to us and they get stabilized. But I'm trying to, to have them have these tools. So that when they leave, they can refer to them. Oh yeah, what did she say about that? Oh yeah, what was it that she said about that? And so, And so it has been an interesting, interesting experience for me. My, 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 the biggest thing was fear. I was really afraid. I was afraid that they might hurt me. Um, you know, the, the other people that, to one degree or another... You don't turn your back on them. I mean, none of, well, some of them actually have a history of violence toward other people when they were were not here. 
And this is a, a lockdown facility. I mean, they are not allowed to leave. I mean, if, if they leave, we can't go after them. But while they're there, they can't leave. They are in a, in a, they are locked up. <laughs> I mean, it's not prison, but it's not prison. But I, I could see them very much seeing that it is like prison, for sure. <laughs> I can't even imagine I mean, even working there, I can't, I can't imagine. When, when this thing first happened for me in 2018, I, I had this experience and, and I had this change in paradigm where I had to ask myself if I was crazy and my family was very concerned about me and they were, I could tell they were talking behind my back and I was afraid they might take me to a mental hospital. And I knew enough about mental hospitals to know that they would just drug me up. I wasn't exhibiting the symptoms that brought these particular people here. Um, I don't think. <laughs> the, the saving grace for me is, is that I had the wherewithal when I had this change of perception to, to get as much evidence of what I was talking about that I possibly could. And I still do. I still take screenshots of stuff. Because I, I want to remind myself and I want to be able to show other people that what I am saying is true. That, it, that it's true. That it's not just that I, that it wasn't just that I had gone crazy. What I'm going to say again, I had to, I had to consider that. I mean, I considered that I was dead and didn't know it. I was in a coma and didn't know it. That I had a brain injury of some sort brain tumor or that I was crazy or that I was having a God experience but not a God of the Bible experience but the change in paradigm for me was so dramatic that I, I could see people thinking that I had lost my mind and as time has gone on I have learned a few things. I've learned better to not talk to people about it. I've learned to, I, 
I think that it's gotten better. I've gotten used to it. And maybe the symbols and things don't come with the frequency with which they did in the beginning. I think it's a combination of things that happened that I'm better able to live and, and, and focus. Like at first I couldn't focus. It was almost as if I was having like, I couldn't hardly even sit and it was really hard for me to like focus. It was. And I, and I had to point out, and I, I wrote in my first book, I did just like this little bit that I've never done, in a, like, never done methamphetamine. I've never done LSD. I, I drink alcohol, like a little bit. I guess on average, I might have one drink a day. I might have one glass of wine or one beverage a day. That's it. That's my... And even less than that. But, and I may have smoked, like, vaped, had edibles. I haven't had an edible in I don't even know how many years. So, I just have to make that clear because I do believe that drugs can bring on psychosis. And that that's one reason to just be very careful with them. Like street drugs, you don't know where they came from, um, are incredibly dangerous, you know, and lethal. We all know that. But I think that they can actually, like, damage the brain. Um, but I also believe that the brain can, can come back. And so this is a complex situation, <laughs> but the irony of it all is I really like it. I really like it. I like the clients that I'm working with. I like the staff I'm working with. And I'm like sort of laughing, like who would have thought that this would be my favorite job? Would be working at a mental hospital. It's crazy. I mean, like truly. So yesterday, I mean, uh, the other part of me, of me moving here has been a, because I was warned about this, that there was um, a drug issue here um, and homelessness. There was, you know, just this whole phenomenon, you know, like there is along the whole Western coast. I mean, I guess... This isn't the only place that is just dealing with this issue of homelessness. And, and not all homeless people have done drugs, for sure. But a number of the people, when I'm walking around... So my car has not come yet. Hopefully, it'll be here tomorrow. I'm really hoping. But... Um, so I've been stuck with the bus and walking. And so it has left me in, in this situation that has been just really weird for me. Because I feel unsafe at times. And, and this is just the truth. I mean, even though I'm, I, I, I believe generally that I'm, that I'm 
protected. But I have, I'm also careful with, with what I do with myself. And I've been really in situations since I've been here with this, the bus situation at times felt really uncomfortable. Like about 10 days ago, I was on a bus and there was this gentleman who wasn't a gentleman. He was, I don't know if he was on something or if he's, or if he is psychotic, but he was acting really weird and really erratically. And he was, he was acting like almost possessed by the devil, which is a weird thing for me to say, but like by something very sinister. And he was laughing in this way that I was really uncomfortable and he was just staring at me. So he's staring at me and staring at the people around him, but especially at me for some reason. And there were people, there were like two men that were sitting right around me that I just got this feeling that if he did anything, they would protect me. I don't know why I thought that. Maybe they wouldn't have, but I really think they would have. I think they they would have taken great delight in taking this guy down because he was being really strange. Um, and then this one gentleman walked to the back of the bus, and I was assuming, assuming partly to get away from this guy, but also maybe to protect me. At least that's what I was thinking, because I was the only female around this guy. Several people had moved away from him because he was acting so weird. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there and I'm 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 in a in a really compromised situation where I'm I'm feeling like my safety is in jeopardy. But there's nowhere for me to go. I mean, I could have gotten off the bus and maybe in hindsight I should have. But I was also afraid to walk by him because I was afraid he might do something to me like even him touching me I didn't want him to touch me I just and so I just stayed where I was it was it was a few stops it was probably just you know a couple miles down the street and and I mean and the next thing I know this 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 gentleman that had moved to the back of the bus starts talking to him and the two of them have words and and I just and it was really horrible and and it and it really brought back these memories of different times in my life where I have been in situations where I didn't feel safe and have had to just just um, sustain myself for the moment um, in order to just get by. Um, But so the combination of just the 
sorry for the term, but the weirdos on the bus. <laughs> and then the weirdos that I'm walking past, you know, to to get to things like the bank or to get to the places that I want to go. You know, this yesterday I was walking and there was this couple and she was just yelling things and I had my earphones on and I was pretending like I didn't hear her, but I'm just like, I, and then all I could think of is I'm doing what I can. I'm doing what I can for this population. I work at a mental hospital with people who were probably behaving the same way these people were. And that's what brought them to being at this hospital. The only difference between, you know, is that these people are stabilized with medication and sleep a bed to sleep in, food, pretty continuously. I mean, these people actually are pretty well taken care of. Even though they've lost some of their freedoms, and I'm not saying this in a negative, like I, I understand that it must be horrible to lose your freedoms, but there are, there are aspects to this that that are not necessarily really bad. And I, and I would like to think that I'm one of them. That in spending time with me, because I go out every day and I just hang out. Some of them, I do a little bit of one-on-one and, and a little bit of whatever they want to talk about. But... I would hope that their time with me would, would, I'm sorry, and I'm, I can't think of another word, but would change them. Because I talk about this whole idea of, you know, the pitchfork. That when you have two pitchforks and you, and you bang one of them to vibration, and you put them next to each other, the second one starts vibrating at the same tone, the same tune, the same pitch. And so my hope is that in spending time with them, that they will feel better and be more hopeful. That's my hope. Anyway, just a few words on my present work con- work situation. Anyway, <laughs> I'll be back with other ideas. And I appreciate you listening. And that's a wrap. <laughs>